Watch this. Space. Episode four. Homunculus say what? Welcome to Watch This Space, where we dive through the airlock of reality and into the universe of speculative cinema to look at what was and what could be. I'm Alan Williams. And I'm Paul French. And today we're going back to a favorite topic of science fiction and horror, the creation of artificial life. This time around, we're looking at the 1916 silent film Homunculus. Paul, what do you know about homunculi and other artificial beings? Well, you know, I have, um, I used to have a homunculi. Um, he, he preferred to be called a gunkle. Um, but um, wait, am I understanding this right? Um, <laughs> no, 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 the diff- different, hom- different homunculi. Oh, oh, right, right. Yeah, that's, so, yeah, see, there, there's homo homunculi and homunculi. <laughs> and this, and since we're recording this during, at the beginning of Pride Month, you know, it's sort of fitting that we happen to be happen to be Either way. both, but still, indeed. In Indeed. In this case, we're talking about the we're talking about the artificial beings, not the not the fabulous ones. Fair, fair. Um, I, I I don't know that the two have to be mutually exclusive, but fine. Oh, this is true. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we you know we we talked about this a, a few weeks ago with uh, with Frankenstein, um, though that was of course, um, I mean, there's part of it creating life, but it was also restoring life, really, when you get when you get down to it. Um, um, but uh, but in this, yeah, I mean, you you know, you look at sort of all of the mythology of this kind of stuff. Um, for example, uh, Gollum, right? The uh-huh. the 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 Gollum of legend. Um, uh, it, you know that that kind of makes me think of this. Um, and you know, we've we've. <laughs> hey, I'm a comic book reader, man. Um, mm-hmm. This is a thing, you know. This is like Wonder Woman was uh, was was created like this, and um, um, yeah, it's really interesting though because like this is. Again, we're going to get into it with uh, with uh, creating life, and uh, you know you got to be careful messing with that. Exactly. <clears throat> now, my first experience um, with any kind of these artificial beings, other than, of course, Fra- uh, Frankenstein's monster, would have been probably just exposure to robots to start with. Ah, um, uh, robots! Particular- you got to love robots. <clears throat> robots, yes. The original. Um, <laughs> Particularly Brainiac Five, so not even just robots, but androids. Okay, it's an android, um, right? And that was always an interesting distinction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I remember also reading uh, about. Uh, let's see, this was probably when I was about ten, twelve. Yeah, my uh, my younger brother really got into horror films, and my brother would buy him. Uh, bought him several books on horror films, and one of them mentioned at least the Golem, 
which I've heard it Golem and Gollum. I usually say Golem just so that I don't mix it up with the, uh, with the, it, it, the yeah, Rings good. character. It's a good point. It, it, yeah. it, it's a good. It's a good note, no. honestly. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't live that far from a Jewish neighborhood. I should just. I should just pop over there one Saturday and stand outside. Stand outside of Temple uh, so as they're leaving. I can take a poll. Is it Golem or Gollum? Exactly. I, I'm sure that I'm. I'm sure I won't get any strange looks or anything for doing no, that. No, 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 absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Matter of fact, yeah. actually, there's a really good um, Eastern. It's called Eastern style pizza that's over in that mm. in that same area. That's just oh, we've been there twice already. And it, I digress. Dinner. It, this is what I get for for just having Taco Bell for dinner. Um, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I, I think I became first aware of of the of the whole Golem um, mythology. Um, really not until um, uh, 1994, when you guessed it, Primal Force came out from DC Comics. Oh. And they had they had the character. And I, I say that, it might have even been a couple of years before that, uh, Robert Lauren Fleming and uh, Pat Broderick did a Ragman series. Yes, I was just thinking of that too. Yeah, so actually it, it's probably that, I, I would say it's probably that. Um, as, as where I first heard of it. And, um, I, I grew up in a fairly Gentile neighborhood, so I don't know that I had much exposure, if any, um, uh, to the Jewish faith until years later. And a, and a very good friend of mine, okay. um, <laughs> he invited, you know, uh, he was, uh, he, he, uh, he kept kosher, you know, he was, uh, yeah. um, a, you know, and, uh, and was a, uh, you know, a, a practicing Jew and, uh, and he invited me to join the inter synagogue, um, softball league. Oh, and, that sounds interesting. And I said, and uh, he said, but you, one hitch, you, you got to make sure they think you're Jewish, uh, because, uh, uh they, uh, you know, I wasn't a ringer. Um, right. that's for sure. Cause I could not play. Um, but he said, you know, the, um, uh, he said, it's just, we keep defaulting games cause we don't have enough people coming out. And well, I said, cause I'm really terrible. And he's like, that's yeah, okay. We'll teach you some stuff. And, um, and so, you know, I read up on some basic things just because I, I didn't want to put him on the spot. And at one point, at one point, uh, um, you know, it was a, we were trying to reschedule Jane, uh, games and, uh, and I was like, Oh, why don't we play next week? And he's like, because Paul, it's the high holidays next week. And it's like, you would think I would know that, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh my. And, well. uh, and so I, 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 you know, I, most of, I, I probably, uh, as far as churching goes, um, I've done very, you know, very little throughout my life, mostly weddings and funerals, but I went to a couple of, uh, like I went to his daughter's naming ceremony and, mm -hmm. uh, and his son's bris. Um, and, um, I, I was just thinking that's one thing that that's one thing you definitely probably had to be careful of in the changing room. If you happen to, to be uncircumcised, as it, as it turns out, um, you know, all you need is, uh, is, um, a, a, a small infection when you're seven years old and they take care of that for you then too. So, uh, uh, so I, I could have passed. Um, there you go, folks. You don't know far too much about me. <laughs> that, that, that's an, that, that is definitely an Oiga Vault sort of moment. 
<laughs> and so that's what he said. He's like, he's like looking at it this way. You're out in the outfield and you miss the ball. And you say, Hey, I thought I could catch it. And I said, so what you're saying is I just need to work on my Jackie Mason impression. And he's like, exactly. You're ready. You're ready. He's like, you know oh. who Jackie Mason is. You're ready. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not so. to dig not not to drag us down other rabbit holes, but speaking of Jackie Mason, did you know that when they did um I let's see, it was the BBC adaptation of So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, which they called Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Quandary Phase. That yeah. um Jackie Mason actually shows up in that. I didn't it's realize in that, that one or it's in, no wait, no, it's in the quintessential phase. It's in the fifth one. That was the adaptation of um mostly harmless. Of, of mostly harmless, really. Yeah, he, he really? plays a he plays a, a creature that comes up from the sewers of New York. Fascinating. Oh yeah. That is but, awesome. Yeah. I had no idea. Dragging us at least slightly slightly back. Um I I had I remember hearing the term homunculus. I must have been about 10 or 11 years old around the same time that um, my brother got that book. Okay. And, and um, I, I had, so I understood just a tiny bit that, Oh, well, it's another kind of artificial being, but, you know, by that time I had been reading comic books for, well, since I was three. So, and and of course, you know, reading what well, what what's the first thing I think of? But um, the old adventure comic story of Mant- Mantis Morlow and his chemoids versus the Legion of Superheroes. Right. And so there you had it, artificial beings right there, created chemically, supposedly. Right. So, oh, isn't that interesting? Given yeah. our our recent um uh Frankenstein experience. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the other, that that is inter- that that is an interesting thing about Frankenstein is it is um, one step removed from alchemy. So the right. homunculus, in many respects, what Mary Shelley had written about was a homunculus. So maybe right. we should explain a little bit more of what a homunculus is. Yes. So, please. all right, I, I've got some notes here, and the first mention by name of a homunculus, which by the way is Latin for little person, it goes back to. 1537 in the book De Rerum Natura, which means the nature of things. And that date, by the way, is also a little potentially questionable. Sure. Because some people some people say the the first the first extant uh, the oldest extant copy is from 1571. So I found some conflicting sources on that online, but right. I think sometimes it was also mixing up De Rerum Natura with De Natura Rerum, which was an entirely different book. Um, but this was a series of uh, alchemical writings that were done um, that they're usually attributed to a, it was a combination of physician, alchemist, theologian, and philosopher uh, his full name was Philippus Aurelius Theophrastus Bombastus von von Hohenheim, but he was wow. known as he was known as um, well properly pronounced in German it would be Paracelsus, uh, but you would say Paracelsus. You know, Paracelsus is is what we would say in English. So let, I, let's. I, I would have gone with Phil. Just saying. Yeah, I, I, yeah or. Or if you're going to have the if if you want to really go in like Paracelsus, let's just say Perry. Perry here. Um, <laughs> Perry, 
Mary was born in was born in 1493 and died literally 327 years before I was born on September 24th, 1541. Amazing. So a homunculus, as we said, is an artificial being. His uh, its nature is somewhere between. Um, the go- between a golem and Frankenstein's monster, and it's between those because, as more uh, traditionally, a golem is created out of clay, and Frankenstein's monster was created out of dead body parts. So somewhere in between it, <clears throat> here is the here's the process of creating a homunculus. All right, I'm taking notes. <clears throat> that the sperm of a man be putrefied by itself in a sealed cucurbit, which is like a pumpkin or some other kind of gourd, uh, for 40 days. With Hang the on. Degree. Hang on. Was he just looking for an excuse? I think so. Fair. Fair. With, with the highest degree of putrefaction in a horse's womb or literally buried in horse shit, or at least so long <laughs> that it comes alive and moves itself and stirs, which is easily observed. After this time, it will look somewhat like a man, but transparent, without a body. If, after this, it be fed wisely with the arcanum of human blood, and be nourished for up to 40 weeks, and be kept in the even heat of the horse's womb, a living human child grows therefrom, with all its members like another child, which is born of a woman, but much smaller. So wait a second. Perry, what are you doing to that gourd? Mom, I'm making, I'm making a homunculus. It's it's an alchem it's an alchemy experiment, Mom. <laughs> it's for alchemy class. Really? Okay. Oh, oh the alchemy the things the things you do for science. Uh, science. <laughs> it's science. She it blinded is. me. Well, maybe this is why she blinded him with science. See, it all ties in. It all ties in. There we in. go. Yeah, the the whole idea goes back to the this principle that that literally inside inside a man's sperm is a tiny, 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 tiny human being that just expands in size. So it's basically like those those little uh, foam dinosaur eggs that you get, where you put it in exactly. water. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I understand now. Exactly, or or a good way to think of it is it's the opposite of a shrinky dink, <laughs> which has to be still one of the most unfortunate names for something, uh, right? for for a toy ever. Although we loved them as a kid, Absolutely. mom didn't like this. Mom didn't like the smell it left in the oven, though. That's fair. That but is anyway, fair. <laughs> so, so yeah, like. And I mean, this is, you know, it is interesting how much we see of this in, in fiction, right? Like we, we see, we see echoes of this in, in Frankenstein as mentioned. Um, but you even get this later on in, um, in movies about, um, you know, in, in things like 2001, a space odyssey, what really, when you look at like, you know, how is them trying to create, is them creating life. Right. And, uh, in, in just a a different form. And, uh, I was talking to someone at work earlier today and we were just, you know, talking about different AI things. And, uh, she's like talking about how, you know, she uses it to like, you know, help, uh, help me out with a, um, uh, you know, help me out with a uh, packing list for my six-year-old for camp. And um, and it rattles off. A, and, of course, it rattles off a list. Now, she asks right. it very nicely. She says so that when they take over and uh, and have us all up against the wall, they'll be like, ah, but she said please. 
And, and, and so we were talking about this and she mentioned, um, it was the movie, um, her with, uh, Joaquin oh, yeah. Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. and again, you know, is so, so this, she is created and, uh, and, uh, and he falls in love with her and then it, it all goes, uh, horribly wrong as, these things do but again it is um it is this idea like this is a, a real theme that we have seen in in uh in fiction for centuries and and now we're really seeing like it goes back a long way and yes. uh, you know this is the thing and 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 i don't think we've seen the last of them i think uh things like uh like these ideas of of ai and whatnot uh we're gonna see more of it of we tried to create life and look what happened um mm-hmm. the most <laughs> the most recent version i can think of is in picard right jean Luc picard and for that matter um well um spoilers but there's even a version of data that shows up like that, that are right. literally put into uh, put into bodies that are, they refer to them as golems, but the reality is they're really homunculi. Yeah, they're, oh, they're much very, more they're much more like homunculi than, yeah. than golems. Yes, because there is there there's there is, and that's interesting, and I think that comes more from uh, the the idea of kind of trying to uh, sort of like like that has a little a, a literal ex- expression of divinity in it. Mm-hmm. Right where yeah. where the homunculi does not it is notably um, secular um, yes. in 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 its creation and uh, but but this theme of this you know we always look at like you know like there are, there are themes there are conflicts and but in this often the theme um, you know the conflict becomes in in theory man versus himself right because right. um you know look what look at these things that i have wrought and um and uh, but there there it's almost like the the exploration is is man trying to perhaps man being dissatisfied with their station and trying to create life in um I don't know why, you know, yeah. almost trying to to create a better version of itself, and um, and then yeah. uh, and then having it turn on them, you know, like like it's it's like the idea of of you know, hey, uh, you know, artificial intelligence can help us with so many things. Hey, maybe we should have it help us with uh, with climate change, and then it's like slow down on that because one of the first things it's going to realize. <laughs> Is I know what the problem is. Uh huh. <laughs> I know what the problem we is, need, and yeah. and the way to get rid of it. Exactly. So, uh, which is like the expression of so much uh, mm-hmm. of so much speculative fiction, and um, and it is the be careful what you wish for, right? Um, and um, and I think that that's a theme that pops up again and again. And uh, now we only watched we watched the first one, right? Well, here, here's a little history behind the film. Yeah, because please, it's a, because it's kind of a it, it's kind of got a convoluted story. Now I'm going to give a shout out to a couple of sites that um, that gave me some great background on the film, and one of them is from Nitrate Phil, and the other one is from SciFist, where I 
uh, where I've gone to before, like mm-hmm. for the uh, early for our first episode. I remember yeah. pulling from those. Um, both those sites will have will have those links in the show notes. They're excellent. They, um, Nitrateville has a very has a very very uh, detailed breakdown of what the different episodes of this are supposed to be because this is not actually technically one movie. It is it's actually six of them, which were apparently about an hour long each. Um, most of them, except for part six, were released in 1916. Part six came out in 1917. And here are the original titles, and I'm going to give you the German and the English because, well, nice. it gives me a chance to practice my German. Very nice. Um, Die Geburt des Homunculus, the birth of the homunculus. That's the first one. Yeah. Number two is Das Gemeinsvolle Buch, which means the mysterious book. And by the way, if anyone has any problems with my with my pronunciation, all I can say is it has been about 30 years since I've actually had to use my German regularly. So and I learned it with a learned it with a North German accent. So if you if you, you don't think I'm producing enough spittle, that's why. <laughs> and then it's like Klingon. See. Lots of that's expectoration. Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, movie number three, the Labes Tragoide des Homunculus. The Love Tragedy of the Homunculus. Uh-huh. Number four, Die Rache des Homunculus, The Revenge of the of the Homunculus. Then Die Vernichtung des Menschheit, the, anal, the Annihilation of Mankind is that one. And then the final one, naturally, is called Das Ende des Homunculus, The End of the Homunculus. Now, of those... Of this those six, is that whole thing we just talked about, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, it 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 is born. It it learns about its life and its place in the world. It mm-hmm. tries to fall in love but cannot because there is nothing quite like it. It takes revenge. It destroys humankind, and then it is finished. Yes. Um, wow. Right down to. <laughs> And now it it was a, a really apparently this was super popular like especially in Berlin yeah but for whatever reason they didn't save any actual copies of the film um, or at least for years they thought they they hadn't saved anything of them except for oh. um, all of part four and a fragment of part five so basically the revenge uh, of the homunculus and the annihilation of mankind but the story doesn't end there. Wow. Um, the company that produced it, which was a company, Deutsche Bioscope, uh, they merged with one of their one of their competitors, Decla Film, mm-hmm. to form Decla Bioscope. And the new amalgamated studio took those same six films, they edited them so that they were down to three. So it became a three-part version with colored tints and new intertitles. So, uh, intertitles are those little title cards yeah. that appear that, you know, um, and so in September, 1920, the three, the three new movies that came out were Der Künstliche Mensch or The Artificial Man, Die Vernichtung der Menschheit, The Annihilation of Mankind, and Ein Titanenkampf, Ein Titanenkampf, A Titanic Fight or so, Titanic Struggle. Uh, Right, right, because we we know that one, don't we? We know Mein Um, Kampf, don't we? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you you know, I mean, aside from all of this sounding like the track listing on a Kraftwerk album, um, Uh (laughs) 
you know, it, it's uh, it's interesting to sort of see how this came out. Now, the GMBH, what does that stand for? Um, it's I don't remember exactly what what GMBH stands for, but it's um, it's kind of the equivalent of like an incorporated, I think, or an LLC. Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah, that's so much simpler, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're right. Uh, okay, let me meaning, look it up. Meaning company with li- limited liability. Yeah. Equivalent to limited used in the L- in the UK or LLC or incorporated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, Gesellschaft go. mit beschränkter Haftung. Ah, yeah. there you go. Haftung. Well, I, I know the word Gesellschaft because one of the longest words in German is Donal Danschiff's Kapitans Gesellschaft, Society for the Captains of Danube Stanship, uh, Steamships. Bloody marvelous. <laughs> learned, learned that learned that way back in almost, oh God. I learned that back in high school. So we're talking wow. almost 40 years. Um, but so this is also kind of paralleling the story of what happened to Metropolis, um, which we'll get to. I was just going to say there's another connection. <laughs> right. Which we'll get to in a later episode, but Metropolis was another of those movies that nobody thought the original version still existed because it had been sliced up and edited so many different ways so many times that it, that they'd lost track of it. So, but the easiest version that you can find right now is the version that we saw, which is a super heavily edited. um, It's 76 minutes long. uh, It's, it's a tinted version. It has Italian language intertitles. Mm-hmm. And they found that one in the George Eastman, George Eastman, not Eastman, Museum yep. Film Archives. And that's the version that, that uh, we watched. And this gave me to, the, an, interesting, an interesting lesson in Italian because I learned Latin, classical Latin. Uh, I took two semesters of it way back in college, again, 30-ish years ago. And I... So I'm reading it. I'm realizing that I can kind of actually follow the the inner titles because it's it's close enough to classical Latin that I can understand it. Now, um, mm-hmm. George Eastman, for those who aren't aware, is one of the uh, uh, fa- he was the founder of Kodak, uh, also known as Eastman Kodak. Yep. Uh, hence that, and uh, and and this this kind of fits for me because uh my uh my my ex-wife was a uh um uh, her dad was a lifelong uh Kodak guy and so um we were always kind of well aware of of the Eastman family and of course the other connection is uh is the relationship to uh to Linda Eastman who later became Linda McCartney. Ah uh, yes. And um and, and, you know. and of course, there's that there's that nod to to Kodak that Paul Simon gave us when he sang Kodachrome. Kodachrome, exactly, exactly. In fact, uh, as I look up George Eastman online, I, I the first thing I see is a 1940 1914 Kodachrome portrait, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so just uh, just to sort of give a bit of perspective on that, you know, there's a a connection to film for uh, for Eastman. Um, you know. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> but there, and believe it or not, there's even still more to the story of uh, of the film. In that, 
in the early, um, sometime in the 2010s, a guy named Stefan Drissler, uh, who was head of the Munich Film Museum, uh, he found 27 reels out of the original six chapters in Moscow in a film archive. And Drissler found out uh, the, the condition he found those films in, those reels, they were heavily cut up, they were jumbled, intertitles were missing. But eventually they created uh, a 196-minute restored version. So that's, what, three hours and 16 minutes long. Yeah. It's uh, billed as a work in progress and premiered at the Leinisches Landesmuseum Bonn as part of the Bonn Silent Film Festival. Yeah, Bonn, not Bonn, uh, in, right. on uh, yes. August 17, 2014. Now, uh, this version, however, is not available online anywhere. And there, I haven't found a place where you can buy it on disc. So Isn't people that interesting? know it existed. <laughs> and, and there are articles about it online. <laughs> so <laughs> so this is a thing. This is a thing. And 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 this ties into that that sort this sort of the the end of physical media. I, I mean, let's be realistic. Physical media isn't dead. It's just. Um, What's the word for it? It's just, um, it's just resting. Dormant, maybe. It's yeah. yeah it, I mean, it's still there. I mean, I, God knows, I, um, um, I heard a couple of guys uh, the other week talking about some old, um, um, uh, Criterion Collection DVDs, and it sent me down mm-hmm. a little rabbit hole. And all of a sudden, I've got the Philadelphia story and and uh, Chaplin's The Kid arriving at my doorstep. Um, oh yeah, you I, know I've I, got yeah, I've got a, I've got a few Criterion Collection uh, DVDs like that. Um, it's an easy come, rabbit hole down which to follow. But yeah, things to come. Uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, nice. Time Bandits, uh, Brazil. I was just going to say, Brazil's uh, a must, right? Like that's uh, absolutely. That, that was my first. That was my gateway. Uh, my gateway criteria. Yeah, but I mean, and, like they're the at, ones that are that are like looking at stuff like this and mm-hmm. saying like it must be preserved in some way. And I admire that about mm-hmm. them because mm-hmm. otherwise, that stuff would be out of print and impossible to find. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, but it's, and it's interesting when uh, it's also always interest, always possible that a format will come back. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, blue, blu-rays aren't, well, blu-rays aren't completely gone because you um, no, they just, they scale up to ultra four uh, to the ultra HD now. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the 4k's um, vinyl has made a comeback. Oh, oh, absolutely. Now. I, I mean, I, and there's, there's even a small, sorry, go ahead. I don't think I don't think cassette tapes ever will, which is don't, okay by me. Don't count don't count them out. Don't count yeah, them that's out. That's true. The only There's thing portability I think and they are they are, there is a small market for them. Um mm. but it is it it comes down more to a, when we start, you know, like I mean, you can now buy it. I, I was at a, at, a, at, a, at a drug store. I was at a Shoppers Drug Mart, which is our equivalent of like a CVS. And, uh, and, and they had, uh, you know, turntables that you could buy there uh-huh. at a pharmacy. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I, bought, um, I bought a turntable at Barnes and Noble. There you go. Oh yes. And that's, that's a big one too. Like, uh, our, mm-hmm. uh, here we have Indigo books and music and they're, they're good buddies with, uh, with, um, maybe they were good buddies with borders. I don't know. Uh, but maybe with Barnes and Noble there, there's sort of, a, mm-hmm. a kinship. If you will, and yeah. um, 
and so yeah, they they that that is same. Like at at indigo, I at, at a given indigo, I can buy uh, a, a, a you know a, a decent turntable, and uh, and I mean this is uh, formats come back. Yes, um, film film as a as a uh, as a consumer medium is a is a bit different. It's more of a creator's medium, um, mm-hmm. you know, in film cameras and that sort of thing. Um, but and, at the same time, there was some resurgence to that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, at the same time, I know. Um, well, for example, I've got a friend who's a uh, who's a photographer, and he yeah. works with he works with both digital, and I think he still uses um, some actual like thirty five millimeter. There's and, something um, really neat about that, like. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, the things that you can, the, you know, that yes, you can do a ton of stuff in Photoshop and that's great. But the, the enjoyment of, of trying to do like that dodge and burn stuff in a dark room with an enlarger and nothing yeah. beats it, man. It, or the, yeah. Yeah. We just went to see, um, we went to see across the Spider-Verse last week and, yes. um, the theater that we went to, it's of a it's a chain called Alamo Draft House. There aren't a oh, lot yes. of them out. Yeah. But um, but the good thing, like those Alamo at at the beginning, before the movie comes on and before the previews, they run sort of a a little theme reel that have that among other things in this particular version uh, in this particular theme reel had to do showed us some uh, scenes from the old Japanese Spider-Man TV series the one oh, that cool. the one that they gave that uh, gave birth to the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and yeah this is this and, is what what reminds me like i remember going a, a few times to the Arclight in Los Angeles and it was yeah. very much that like love of film we're going to give you comf- comfortable seats you're going to choose your seats and it's interesting because now um, even mainstream theaters here, at least, and I'm sure there are, are now like taking that on. Like, yes, yeah. Why don't you choose where you want to sit? And, oh yeah. And and that and that fascinates me because like that was a, you know, it, it like that in Alamo, like it 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 spoils you for other theaters, and so other yeah. theaters are now like oh, like we well, need to is- really up the experience. Well, the thing about those Spider-Man ones is that they were done, of course, on film. Yeah. And they actually had a bit with a ray gun that was literally the effect was created by making a scratch in each cell of the film. I remember. I remember seeing that all the way back um, when I was a when I was a kid. There was a yeah. show on called Kids Are People Too. Yeah, and they that's had exactly some, what I was going to say. <laughs> and and the one where they they had the. The young filmmakers and the science fiction one. They said, "How did you get that ray effect?" And they said, "We put a scratch." On so, the, what, what was it they were talking about? Um, to create to create a ray effect on film. No, no, the but literal- was it that was? Uh, sorry. <clears throat> oh no, no, the Spider-Man thing. But it was on. Um, but as a kid, I saw it on Kids Are People too, where they were talking about how they um, these young kids who were like you know, 13, 14 years old making right. independent films. It was a science fiction. Um, they did a science fiction film, and they showed right. They showed bits of it, and that's I where do they remember said, that because I remember. That's where the, yeah, yeah, I remember a friend and I being like, 
we want to make a movie. And we spent ages sort of uh, coming up with ideas for this movie and, you know, rehearsing it and everything. But we, mm-hmm. we had no idea how to, how to shoot it. And, and it was like, but we had seen that. And I don't remember, I, 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 what I, what I meant was like, I was like, wait, do you remember who that was? Um, Unfortunately, but, no, I don't. No, I wish but I do did. remember them talking about that and the scratching the film because this was, you know, not long after star Wars came out and it was like, yeah, you know, and, and, and like when you think about it, like for all we know, it was friggin' J.J. Abrams. And um, because he was one of those kids who was, you know, who is not far off our age and uh, was uh, was running around in the in the se- in the late 70s, early 80s with like a, in his case, with a Super 8 camera, as we know, hence right. movie Super 8. Um um, you know, make making these movies, and and there's a great story about him. Then uh, he and his friend getting hired to uh, to basically um, convert all of um, Spielberg's uh, Super Eights that he made as a kid, and yeah. uh, he wanted them all to be preserved, and uh, and so so they they did this, and years later when he was pitching super eight um you know he had a meeting with spielberg for this and he's like i don't know if you remember and and spielberg just looked at him as like i remember who you are (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you know but but i mean you know like now i'm trying to remember if that was like the first host or the second host um um but i do i vividly remember that like that scratch on the thing because yeah. I can remember, um, you know, doing special effects stuff, you know, on digital video where it was like, yeah, it's just like the scratch on the film, except that you take the thing and then you place it in the right in the right place. And uh, um, but but the things that they did with that, you know, like like it's incredible, you know, where, where oh, yeah. Well, you know, and these were these were were people that learned how to make movies with a razor blade and 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 tape, and um, you know that's that idea still blows me away. And so, thinking of the state that they found this film in, um, and you know where it is, this sort of cobbled together piece before they made a print, right? Right. Uh, you know, here's all our, here's our negatives, and. Um, and and we've we've cut the negatives and we're ready to now make a print of this entire film. And yeah. that like you know, say what you will, like, you know, digital makes it real easy, folks. And uh, you know, now you've got option anxiety with what you can do and you know, mm-hmm. and whether what you can do is what you should do. Uh, again, a theme we're exploring here. Um and um uh, but but you know if making these things um when they did it with film it's it's really quite staggering that they were yeah. able to, to approximate like there was a lot of you know a, a lot of math and a lot of intuition in in how they put this together and um and and it takes me back to like a, you know as as a musician you know hearing stories about the guy who produced Poison's first album and how he said that by the time he finished recording the drum tracks and editing them he said it was it, you know you, you looked at the uh, tape and it looked like a zebra because of course there he had to cut make so many mm-hmm. cuts and so and and so many edits um, to make it 
sound in time. And, uh, and he said that the day after they showed up, that after they played live on Letterman, he said his phone started ringing like crazy. Cause they're like, if you can fix that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and it is a, um, it, 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 it's, there's a real art to, to, uh, and, and I, and I have a lot of respect to people who are able to do these things that we take for granted now because we can, you know, use, uh, what was it? Um, uh, like, you know, premier elements from Adobe, right. their consumer level product. And it was like, like I used to work for a company that published books on how to do uh Hollywood spot, special effects and premier elements. And it was like, man, you know, the guys who really did this, um, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, wow, this is really impressive that you can do this at home, but man, the people who pioneered this effect, they had to do it with a, with a razor blade tape and, uh, and a light table. And I, I, I'm, I, I am in (laughs) awe and absolutely humbled by their talent for these things. And, uh, and, and, and for someone to be able to take this little mess of film and, uh, and, you know, and scotch tape, it's not scotch tape, it's better tape than that, but right. Yeah. Um, is, and, and are able to make a print of it is amazing. And I, I quote, um, you know, the, the great, uh, Sir Indiana of Jones, uh, when I say that should be in a museum. Yes. <clears throat> well, that, and that's the thing too about these these uh, older media. If if a server goes down and you have no co- no backups stored anywhere, you've lost that digital copy forever. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. As opposed to as opposed to like you take a, you know, you can find like the fact that he can find twenty seven of these reels and actually be able to to manually even though they were they were all messed up that he could manually reassemble them or like they do that, uh, like they did that with, um, with a lot of the older films, like Nosferatu, yeah. like, uh, Metropolis. Yes. yes. The fact that you, they still exist out there in a form. That's what makes me think that, that even all the stuff that's digitized is that someday as formats change, I used to work for a company that, yeah. um, well, I, I think everybody used to work for a company, but the company I used to I'm work talking for one. I still work. Oh yeah, for yeah, yeah. So so do I. It's, just, um, it's a different one. Yep. Yes, but the X company was um, <laughs> was a place that, that did data archiving, and at that time, at least, this was the early two thousands. Uh, the U.S. government still required a backup, and um, still required a backup, and they required like utility companies and stuff to have, have a backup of all of their billing on microfiche because microfiche wasn't reliant on, on some form of magnetic storage. It can be wiped out by an electromagnetic pulse. Totally. Uh, totally. Yeah. Like I'm I not say, sure if they still do that, but, um, big but believer yeah, in physical media for, for that reason. And for the reason that shit disappears from licenses all the damn Time. Absolutely. I, I, I remember being midway through a rewatch of the series Cold Case on Amazon Prime, and then all of a sudden it was gone. And mm-hmm. uh, and I sent an email, and the guys again, and the and uh, and then it like came back two days later. And then I reached out to tech support, and it's like, what's going on? It 
it was gone. It came back. It was gone. It came back. And he's like, yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's like, um, you know, so, so I have like two walls of DVDs downstairs. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we don't shelves have... on the wall. And, and, and my wife is like, well, do we really need those anymore now that we got streaming? And it's like, oh, huh. yes, please, please. Yes. Yes, we do. Yes. Because, you know, um, first of all, a lot of the stuff that's up here has never been streaming. Second of all, um, that stuff disappears all the time. And, uh, and the stuff that I want to have, I want it accessible. Right. Well, you know, for the sake, and, yeah, for, for us, for the sake of saving space, we have a lot of stuff digitally, but you have the hard um, copy and we'll, we'll, uh, have, a, a, we'll have a hard copy somewhere. And if we don't, uh, I have, I have a separate backup that I regularly run on just a, um, a on a portable, uh, on a portable SSD. Yeah. So that I can, so I can hang on to it. That's how, so that way I don't lose anything. Stuff disappears a, all the time. I have a, exactly. I have a special playlist uh, that I created on Apple Music that just tells me all of the things that I added at some point that then got deleted, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and uh, and they know that they no longer carry licenses for. And the it it has it, it has expanded to staggering degrees. Uh, but it's like, yeah, that's why. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because even, it it disappears. Even if it even if it's just for me, even if it's just um, a digital copy that I backed up on onto another drive, it's still something yeah. I bought and own, and I'm going to hang on to it one way or the other, it, um, without it being Absolutely. able to them being able to yank the rights out uh, out from under me. But absolutely. Anyway, but we, we should get back. To, yes. But maybe we should get back. Maybe and we talk should. To we should create a homunculus that can catalog all this stuff for us. That's right. Yes. Well, yeah. That, See how I that, brought it all around. That's right. <laughs> well, um, speaking of homunculus, the the general plot of all these movies it's it's a fairly simple plot that we right. you know, we kind of we kind of covered it. You know, artificial yeah. man created learns. Um, you know. Uh, that my favorite part is um, swap the, is the fact that you know that the the homunculus is created and conveniently the the newborn the 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 uh, professor's newborn son dies so you can just swap them in the cradle Ugh. um you know and the kid grows up well the homunculus grows up and as a grown um homunculus um he's a successful businessman but he can't find can't find love uh, because they say a homunculus has no soul and is therefore incapable of feeling emotions. I think he's also looking in all the wrong places. I think so too. Yes. And, and a too many faces. <laughs> indeed. indeed. <laughs> Look, looking in the, uh, the one he's dreaming of. No, nope, that's nope, nope. exactly, exactly. But they, he, he's so looking the, in up. <laughs> so the, so as the, I, I love the way the, the summary on YouTube put it, um, the homunculus revenges himself on mankind, instigating revolutions and becoming a monstrous but beautiful tyrant, relentlessly pursued by his creator father who seeks to rectify his mistake. And it, it okay, and it ends with the with the creation of a second homunculus who goes out and they do battle, uh, they do battle, and I think they're both destroyed. 
and, uh, and, and now, now revenge is himself. First of all, I love revenge is a verb. Thank you. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Um, instigates revolutions and becomes a monstrous, but so again, takes over. Right. right. And, and, and res- relentlessly pursued by his creator father, which takes us right back to Victor Frankenstein on the, on the dog sled. Right. Yep, Victor Frankenstein. Yeah, that is exactly. <laughs> and it's interesting because this version of the of the plot, well, the plot of this movie is actually taken from uh, an 1888 epic poem uh, written by Robert Hammerling, and so it ta- it takes the idea of the homunculus, uh, where Hammerling took the idea of the homunculus, then created this epic poem that, interestingly enough. It's what that's what seventy years after Frankenstein, yeah. um, or wait, sorry, that's pronounced Frankenstein. Frankenstein, yes. I wasn't sure uh, what you were talking about. Yeah, that's right. No, no, um, yes, Frederick Frankenstein. No, no, it isn't. It's Frederick Frankenstein. All right, but before <laughs> before we get uh, but before we get you know the studios coming down on us for copyright violations, right? Yes, and um. <clears throat> but so this is this is yeah you know, it, it's a very classic story and i think probably that poem wasn't was at least partially inspired by frank by the novel of frankenstein because that whole idea of of oh you know angry angry being except that instead of just running off to be alone in the arctic this time, the the angry artificial being decides it's going to take revenge on humanity, which is very interesting when you think about it, because revenge revenge implies anger and hatred, uh, which mm-hmm. uh, the last I checked are emotions, and the homunculus isn't supposed well, to be yeah, has been complaining about emotions. how it feels no emotions, and that and yeah, that, it gets very angry. <laughs> yeah, that's um, as a matter of fact that that is something that I noticed on it, and it it makes me think that in a way a homunculus uh, the this movie is almost a it almost makes you stop and think about the question of nature versus nurture. Mm. Yeah, they, it's very angry that it can't feel emotions. Um, yes, hmm. it's like well, okay, is it is it reaction? You know, are these? Is it because it never learned the emotions? Are emotions learned? Are they something I, that you innately experience? Um, yeah, and and that's interesting, right? Like, yeah. like this this idea of it is an important part because what they're saying is that those are human. In a lot of these stories, what they say is like these are human things. You do not have these things. Right. And, 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 and so it becomes a failing of the father slash creator that you tried to create life, but you failed because you couldn't make it like us. And that mm-hmm. is, you know, that is a failing because you wanted to be God, but you are not. Um, it's also, yeah, it's an interesting reflective, uh, re- reflection of the idea of the failure, um, the failure on the part of the parent, because tying this back to the fact that it's pride month, what is, what's one of the things that, um, that a lot of parents like to say when their kid comes out, especially in, in older times when they weren't quite as enlightened as they are, as people, as a lot of people are now, they would say, what did I do wrong? Hmm. So it, it's, you know, and, and the implication that, you know, they say it's not natural. Therefore, 
Yeah, you know, and again, you you it, you it don't it, back, if you do not fall mm-hmm. if you do not land on sort of the platonic ideal of um of what we consider. Yeah, it, it, right. Yeah, yeah, like hetero. Um, the the idea that that something that's heteronormative is um is the natural thing. Uh, and that anything against it is taught or is indoctrination. Uh, the, that idea, again, it brings up nature versus nurture. And we see through mm-hmm. this, uh, through this story of the homunculus all the way back in, you know, 1916 and 1888, even to go back to the original poem, that there's always been that, uh, that, that the, uh, the conflict of nature versus nurture is not something new. I mean, certainly. No, I mean, it's, it's one of our big ones again. Man right. versus nature, man versus himself. Um, you know, it all kind of ties in, and um, um, certainly nature versus nurture. You know, this idea uh, that um, I mean, as a as yeah, a parent, as a parent, it is something that God, I think of a lot. Um, you know, there are the things that that I feel like my kids just kind of picked up, but maybe it was a product of their environment. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, and given that they are in the same family and have different reactions to things, different um, ways of expressing themselves and, and expressing affection and that sort of thing. Um, I, I think to myself, like how much of that is the same? How much, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can pick out the things that are definitely nurture, like definitely things that they picked up from us, but they have their, their own differences in these things. And it's like, you know, is part of that, the difference between like, you know, having a few years as the only child and then, and then the other one having the uh, feeling of always being the younger sister. Yeah. Um, and, and not, you know, I mean, because you I mean, you can try and say, well, we, we treat them exactly the same, but it's just differences. And, um, and, and, uh, you know, it, it's, there, 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 I think there are so many variables on this that, that we can say it's nature and it turns out it's just nurture that we're not, that we're not considering. And yeah. um you know or, or, yeah the the idea of for example identical twins that mm-hmm. sometimes some identical twins are identical in uh in personality um they're even identical uh, um they're like well they might um tying it back to, this of course goes back to pride month but it's the first thing that comes to my mind is yep. um like um the Carver boys, Charlie and I can't think of his brother's name, um, but Charlie Carver was the one who was on uh, Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf, and he and his brother started. Uh, well, like they they first got got notoriety from being the twins on um, Desperate Housewives after the Desperate Housewives had that like flash forward a few years thing. Oh. Were they were, were they the future ones or were they the young? They were ones? the future ones. They were the future okay. ones. <clears throat> and, okay. Yeah, and um, Charlie Carver came out, but his brother is straight. Yeah. So you know that it's it's one of those. Okay, they were raised the same. Uh, Max, that's his brother's name. So. Oh right. Yeah, yes. Max, yes. 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 So, Max yeah, Carver. Charlie. Yeah. Charlie. 
Charlie, Charlie's gay, Max is straight. Okay. Um, whereas a lot of them, on the other hand, are straight, you know, like, like they're both straight or they're both gay. It happens a lot. Does so, it? Okay. I didn't realize that. I, well, I mean, you know, and it's not to say that, that, um, Straight is the default, but I think there's a societal influence on that, which is, again, that's nurture, right? Um, Yeah. But Um, that's not to say that – But it's not to say, like, for example, that, um, you know, like, you know, and this is something, uh, 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 you know, Darren and I talked about often is is this idea of, um, you know, uh, straight parents can have gay kids too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh and so um you know it's like yeah you know the idea of of oh you can't have two gay men raise a child that child will turn out gay and it's like well or or they won't i mean it's the same way because yeah just like math right. and and reality and and actual common sense uh says that neither is the case and right. and, and 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 so there there might you know and i mean it is the it is the uh the idea that one you know you know i don't <laughs> think you feel that there was ever a choice right it's just who you were and uh and and, and who you are and that's yeah. There, there are a lot of things like that too that that you think of. Like um, when I was a kid, the, the let's take this let's take this out of that realm and just say like standard nerd stereotypes. Yeah, nerds, nerds were the straight arrows who didn't do anything. Who, if they wanted to, um, who, who if they wanted to try getting drunk or or um, doing drugs or something, it was always it was parodied. Like oh yeah. they don't really do that you know nerds yes just, we grew up in the really age of Revenge of the Nerds so <clears throat> yeah. right right yeah. and yet and yet some of the um, some of the heaviest drinkers I know are the people who were um, uh, who are huge comic book nerds D and D fanatics yeah um, it's like yeah they're they're the ones. You know, and even in that group, if you're a teetotaler, sometimes you feel a little, you feel like you're kind of on the outskirts there. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a a creative tendency there. And that is something that feeds into that, right? It is, um, yeah. How much of, how much of codependency is genetic and how much of it is, um, how much of it is, is actually essentially taught? I'm going to need to check with my mother on that. Yeah. Uh, Well, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, because it run, um, alcoholism run supposedly runs in my family. I certainly didn't get hit by it because I can't stand the stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, but at the same time, you know, I um, I have seen relatives who are who do deal with that particular demon, yeah. and it's like, well, well, you know, did is it because it just runs in the family, or is it because they had a role model? who did this. And so therefore they do, they do it now. Uh, Absolutely. I think, I think there's a, an element of, um, uh, of, you know, behavioral, you know, just simple Mm -hmm. behavioral science. Right. In that, um, that the, the people, the, the, the kids do, um, imitate what they see and, you know, and, uh, 
and, 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 you know, Jan and I sort of watch that with, with the kids, but we, we also, uh, you know, on occasion it's like, Hey, you want a sip of wine? Really not like we're going to, we're going to get you hammered kid. Uh, but, but, but more of a, you know, honestly, it, part of it is just like, just seeing what they say. And neither one of them has any interest in it. And, yeah. uh, and, and so, you know, it's like, but what we don't want to do is make it a, you cannot have this. Right. So we're, we're open, we're permissive and, you know, we'll be the ones that will be like, you know, you know, when you're older, if you want to, you know, uh, if you want a glass of wine with dinner, like we're not going to object. Um, but I don't think they have any yeah. interest at all. And, oh, yeah. and, um, you know, and that, and, and so, uh, perhaps we, you know, by our being permissive, they're like, ugh, we don't want your nonsense, but yeah, that's, that's the, a nurture. That's a nurture thing, right? Like, right. Well, and that, you know, bring, and, and then again, we can bring this right back to homunculus, uh, yes. in the question of, of, well, how much we're told he can't feel love that he doesn't feel emotion, but it sure seems like he tries in yeah. some of these, yeah, you know, with, with some of these women that he, that he meets. And it becomes a question of, is it, is it really a lack of, uh, a lack of feeling or is it just misunderstanding the feelings that you have? Um, oh, but who among us hasn't done that? Right. Exactly. I mean, that is, that is sort of a, a classic human thing where it is the, trying to understand these things that we feel and where they fit in. And, you know, are these things that we want people to know about us? And, um, I had this funny thing, um, at work this week, uh, where, where, or last week where I ended up doing like some, uh, we were talking about, you know, uh, people were talking about sort of, um, uh, headshots for, um, for for teams and uh, and for their LinkedIn mm-hmm. profiles and stuff and uh, and a couple of the girls were like we want to do some uh, some um, headshots next week hey and they and they asked me hey do you want to come out and and help us out with these it turns out what they were looking at was we want someone who's going to hype us up and not be creepy about it yeah right because they know it's like you know. It, I'm not that guy. And, uh, and, you know, and it is, and, and, you know, when you look across sort of, you know, whether it be gender, gender binary or whatever, like, like I don't fall into the bro-y kind of dude. And so, so they were like, you know, we were just figuring, you know, uh, it it was so funny. She was saying this to one of the other, one of our other coworkers. It's like, yeah, we just wanted Paul to come out to be our hype man. And uh, just to kind of keep us into it, but it wouldn't be creepy. And uh, and then I was like, I have a camera, and uh, and uh, and so I I did these photos for them, and they turned mm-hmm. out. By the way, they turned out fantastically. I noticed a couple of them during one of our team meetings today, and it was like, ooh, that is a fine picture. And uh, and and so it was like, but but it's you know. Uh, 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 other people I know might have been a little more sort of leering about it, and me with me that was never a thought. And yeah. um, and uh, you know, and and these are things that we learn through 
all sorts of experiences. And because yeah. I, I don't know that I was always that guy, but for most of my life, I've been that guy. Right. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, we, we learn a lot from what we see around us, but we also uh, maybe learn other aspects to it that change mm-hmm. our perspective. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so if you, so if you, were to look at homunculus as a question of nature versus nurture. It's also a cautionary tale of almost saying, we don't know yet. Yes. Yes. Because you, you look at it and if you look at it with a critical eye and you say, but it looks like he does experience, experience emotions because he certainly at least uh, he knows how to experience and invent the negative ones. Maybe that's the way he was, you know, that's the way he was raised. Maybe that's a question of nurture. Maybe he just doesn't know how to express um, the, how to express anything other than the negative emotions. Is that the instinct of a wild animal? Yeah. Where, where where it is almost a do just a, a, again, a binary, um, you know, I am either happy Mm -hmm. or I am not. It's a, yeah. Or, um, take it back to star Trek. It's like lore versus data. Lore's lore is founded on, uh, on essentially hatred, anger, yeah, all the negative emotions, um, and it's you know, and, and data is like no, you know, discovering all these things about the uh, data is like self discoveries and right. yeah. eventually getting eventually getting the emotion chip only only for it to just look like yeah, he's been feeling that all along. He just didn't know he he just couldn't put a name to it or or couldn't necessarily express it in a way that that he recognized as being an expression of love. Which is excellent. And, and Alan, you know that I cannot leave that alone without a reference to the Tin Man. Of course. Um, Because of course the Tin Man gets his heart, but he always had the heart. And, uh, and, and, and that classic line, which God, you you know, God, 45 years since I first saw it, you know, uh, still has me, uh, still has, has me kind of get it, you know, getting choked up about thinking about, he's like, I know I've got a heart now because it's breaking. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, this is the, you know, that was the thing. It was things that they already had, but just didn't know it. And, um, and, it's it again mirrors the human experience in that we have all these emotions we have all these things going through our 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 minds and bodies and we don't know how to express them and this mm-hmm. is the thing that we learn and um and so is there an aspect to this where where that lack of nurture because you know they kind of get put out there and just get put out into the world um, where they don't have an opportunity to be nurtured. So the nature becomes um, very much an instinctive thing. It, yeah, it's it's like, um, essentially, it's it's like if they become feral. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. You know, when, when you think about like feral, feral animals, they aren't, they don't necessarily hate, but they're afraid and they strike back because they, it's a fear of the unknown. Well, how much of uh, how much of what we see with the homunculus is really the homunculus striking out of a uh, out of a either a fear of that he is not like everyone else, or that it's 
you know, yet another emotion, jealousy that he can't be like everyone else. It's like, you know, where, where, you know, revenge comes not only from anger and, and hatred, but from jealousy as well. Yeah. And if there's jealousy, then that means that you do feel love because you can't feel jealous without realize it without acknowledging that you have a positive feeling for um for what someone else that someone else has something that you want that same positive you covet yeah 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 covetousness you know which is of course one of one of the seven deadly sins and uh and i believe it falls under one of the commandments as well so it's uh, um, well it has something to do with thy neighbor's wife or possessions or Uh, yeah it's like uh, maybe a little bit of something yeah you want you want your neighbor's lawnmower i don't know i mean it's a nice lawnmower i gotta say is it Uh, a sin to is it a sin to want your neighbor's wife i mean Uh, that that depends are you that that depends is your neighbor's (laughs) wife into you then that might be a problem (laughs) then it's a problem (laughs) and all of a sudden we're back at desperate housewives again yes we are Well, yeah. So I think, I think that, um, you know, for people who are into this, this particular theme of, of science fiction, and again, it is science fiction because science is what has created these fictional characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a, you know, and, and the many, many permutations of Frankenstein, sorry, Frankenstein uh, aren't enough I, I for you. I was wondering who you were talking about. I, yeah, I wasn't sure either. I, well, what the hell was that? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Homunculus is a, a fascinating um, addition to that um, uh, to that 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 mythology to that mm-hmm. uh, general yeah. theme. <laughs> but I also want to say, like. Again, you know, uh, we I I went through and kind of glibly looked at the six movies that it, this was originally made for, and um, and kind of did a, an outline of the story. And it's like it's a good story, and we've yeah. seen it, and uh, and 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 we will continue to see it. Like, and think of that, like this new thing. Like, like I say, talking to someone at work today, and. Uh, and she was like picking out movies that did this, and she told me about this this professor she had in university who who uh, was like, yeah, but they put this stuff in these movies to uh, what was it to basically uh, to normalize it for us, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was and you know because we were talking about how different technologies are are influenced by movies, you know, like how the right. flip phone was the Star Trek communicator, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, and her uh, prof's uh, reaction to this was that they put this in these things in movies to to basically soften us up for it, and uh, and I'm like. Or people see these movies and are inspired by them to develop these things. Right. I think is more likely. Uh, yeah. you know, again, it's the Star Trek communicator becoming the flip phone, the tricorder becoming the iPad, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, so, you know, there is a danger for people to uh, use these powers for ill. Um, but yeah. um, uh, well, then cautionary too- tales are there. Then, too, the uh, not just a cautionary tale, but this is also potentially something that um, is an inspiration later, um, yeah. because 
we're uh, at this point we're about four years off from Carl Chopek's play uh, Rossum's Universal Robots. Oh the first yes, use of the term of the term robot. robot, which if I remember, robot is um, robota, which means human or something like that. He literally That's just right. means man. So you know, it's it's a yeah, it, it's Crazy, a messy. Right? Ros- I'm looking it up, and it's like Rosumovi Univatalni Roboti. This is so, a thing I remember from years ago. You know, this was, uh, mm-hmm. I remember this being talked, I, I, I think I've mentioned to you, and if I haven't, um, um, is uh, Magic Shadows, which is where I saw a lot of old movies. Um, yeah. It was a, a, a TV Ontario production with Elwi Yost, who is the father of Graham Yost, who created um, Justified and uh, wrote Speed. And uh, um, I think he's got a new series, but I don't know what it is because, you know, so many things. Right. Um, but anyway, um, his dad, Elwi Yost, used to do this um show called magic shadows which was basically they would take like a a a film and break it break it out over five days and he would do like a very much like what you see on turner classic movies now right where it's like hey let me give you some context for this movie and here's some things that happen behind the scenes and and so now let's watch you know here comes mr jordan and uh and so you'd you'd see it like uh you know every day and and so i watched this thing all the time and uh and he was the one where i heard of 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 that movie because he mentioned it in something else he didn't show that one but uh, god that would have been cool um but um you know he he talked about that and uh and this idea again the robots it's us trying to create life and yes. uh and uh it doesn't always go well folks it doesn't always go well in fact it never goes well no 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 they're all cautionary tales people all the tales are cautionary <laughs> they're cautionary and yet they're also hopeful in some ways even yeah. even this even uh, this uh, uh, yeah the absolutely that, this you know yeah, yeah the idea that yeah this didn't work this time but maybe there is a time uh, well and uh, it is creating the one at the end that, right yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and wouldn't and how does that how does that inspire him even you know how how the creation of a flawed version inspires inspires what someone thinks is a better version like um like lore in data perhaps um absolutely and also uh, also uh, alan let's not forget you know if you if at first you don't succeed try try again that's right yeah uh, or if it for, or or if you're certain if you're certain rich people, if at first you don't succeed, fire fire that guy and hire someone else. <laughs> <laughs> and you or know, something. hey, and, and if nothing else, you know, if um, uh, you know, if if if, if yeah, 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 you know, yeah, fire that guy, fire that guy, exactly. But but but, but also, you know, just um, um, you know. Yeah, okay, so you try try again and it doesn't work. Maybe try try again again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the, it can all work out at some point. Yeah. One of the good things about um, about even a cautionary tale is that it can make you think. And so long as you're thinking, you're not stagnant, which means you aren't dead. Absolutely. And you know what I think? What I think is that um, 
that this gave us enough food for thought to have uh, to have talked this long about it, and oh, yeah. uh, that and that's a win because I always love things that give me something to give me some excuse to have a, a smart conversation with you, and uh, we have done that, and yes. um, people you know, like check this movie out. You know, speaking of food for thought and feeding your brain, but uh, let's let's. I think it's time for that segment that that I call the City Alpha Eel. Absolutely. So just just like those, yeah, just like those little creatures went in and fed fed on Chekhov and Captain Terrell's brains. What's been <laughs> what what's been running around rent free in your head this week? Well, you know what it it hasn't been in there all week, but certainly over the last few hours. I um, uh, on Thursdays before we record the show, little uh, behind the curtain, folks. Um, yeah. I have uh, I have my guitar lesson, and uh, this is a guy I've been studying with for. About uh, about ten years now, and um, so we had this conversation, and uh, we we basically one of the things we were doing is is we're just kind of looking at some different style things, and one of the things he 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 did the other week was he took the uh, the guitar solo from "That's All Right, Mama" by Elvis Presley, and he's like, "Let's take a look at this," because he's like he's like. Elvis walked into into Sun Records and basically, it, you know, it was like one of those things you used to see in the 80s where it was like, hey, record, uh, you know, basically doing karaoke, but recording it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and and they basically had a, a house band in the Sun in Sun Studios. And so Elvis goes in there and there's Scotty Moore and Bill Black and he uh, he records this song with them. And. um and so there's a, a part of me that, you know, had heard, um, you know, I've heard a lot of rockabilly and stuff and you hear in that's all right, mama, you hear this, this, this sort of, uh, this like sound like, a you know, this, this thing that sounds like a, like a drum, like it sounds like a, a drum or a drumstick hitting the side of a snare drum. Right. And, and, uh, and so for years, you, you know, you think, oh, well, that's just, they really didn't record drums well back then. And, uh, and so you, if you listen to that's all right, mommy, you'll hear this thing that sounds like a side stick. So mm-hmm. literally after all these years, I'm talking to Adrian about this. My, my, my teacher was a guy named Adrian Rasso and, uh, and Google his name, folks. He he write, he makes some fantastic music. Uh, uh, very influenced in the uh, in the gypsy jazz uh, area, and um, but all kinds of other things too. It's really ridiculous, um, and uh, it's why I'm still with him after twenty after ten years. You know, it's like you just uh, I always learn something new. But today he absolutely blew my mind when he said like, you know, that he's like, it's not, it, that's not side stick on a, on a drum. He's like, that's the bass player. And I just looked at him like, what? Wow. And, and, and he says like, when you listen to these, these rockabilly bass players, he's like, wait, that thing that sounds like a drum uh, or like a like a like a rim shot on a drum. He's like, that's the bass player. And so the example he used was Lee Rocker of uh, of the Stray Cats, 
because okay. he he's recorded with Lee Rocker. And so he's like, like, I've worked with the guy. I know. And and he popped on one of the tracks that he had done with him on his more recent album, uh, Gypsy Billy King. And 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 it's like, and I said, I thought that was on the drums. And he's like, no. He's like, and so listen to this. He's doing like a triplet thing. And then all of a sudden he's doing a thing that's like a gallop. And uh, and I'm listening to this and I'm like, I've heard this on a on a hundred uh stray cat songs. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there like I, I, the scale's been lifted from my eyes. I am blown away by this. And so, like, on the way home, and after I messaged you and said, I gotta go get gas, uh, uh, on the uh, on the radio, I, or on the stereo, I had, uh, I had some uh, Stray Cats playing, and it's like, oh my God, it's there on literally everything. And I always assumed that that was the drummer doing a thing where he'd hit the side of the drum and then hit the snare. And it's like, no, he didn't have to do any of that. That's all on the bass. And he's like, he's like, this is the way all rockabilly bass players play. And he's like, but he does it a bit differently where it's, where it is uh, even more pronounced. And, uh, and he said like when he, the first time he ever did a track with him, uh, the guy's like, I'm not, I'm not sure what, where the, uh, the extra percussion track is because I've got it bleeding through on the bass, but I can't hear it on, on the, on the drums. And he's like, no, it's just on the bass because it is the way he hits it and the way it lands on the reverb and, and and it's just this whole bit of the style. And I was two day years old when I learned about this. And it has wow blown my mind. And it is just an element a, a rudimentary element of uh, of early rock and roll that had completely escaped me. And it's like now I'm like, I need to reevaluate everything I have ever heard. And I can't wait. <laughs> so that is my SETI Alpha Eel for this week. Ah, uh, that that is a very cool SETI Alpha Eel to have. Um, <laughs> the, it, it's one that you're not that that you're uh, not going to have to say, "Boy, I can't wait till this thing crawls out of my ear." It never will. It never will. <laughs> and, and it was and literally as he's telling me this, it's like, "Ooh, I know what I'm talking about at the end of the show tonight." <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Well, my SETI Alpha Eel right now is it also hasn't been stuck all week or anything, but it's been it's been stuck at least since probably Tuesday or so. American born Chinese. Oh yes. The series the series dropped. It's ba- um those who don't know what it is, it's based on a graphic novel by Jean Luen Yang. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I, and, I think you are. And if, yeah. not, I, if not, if not, I hope he's he's listening to this and actually corrects me on it. Please. Um Please, Gene. please do, please do, please do. It'd be great to know that, like somebody who writes some of my favorite comics, will do that because he wrote He's that. He wrote a great, an amazing arc in uh, in World's Finest, and he also did he also did that um, uh, new Superman, the 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 new Kong- Super Dash Man. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Kong Keenan. Oh God, it was um, fantastic. Yeah, that was really good. But yeah, that's been stuck in my head. Uh, we. We watched the first episode, and I am getting. I can't wait to see where it goes because it's been a little while since I've read, since I've read the graphic novel. But I, I was just going to ask if you had read it. Yeah, yeah. I remember some things about it that it, I'm watching this and thinking, "Wow, this is definitely going to be very different 
Um, but then again, the more I think about the how Yang structured the original graphic novel, yeah. it would be a pain in the ass to to be super duper faithful to it in the order that the story is told. It wouldn't. It it it's kind yeah. of like how can I put it? It's kind of like the Foundation trilogy, Asimov's Foundation trilogy. Oh, wow. And the fact that in the fact that Foundation, well, in the fact that the Foundation series that Apple TV did. There's no way in hell I'm going to watch it, but one of the big problems with trying to adapt it is that the characters change quickly, that, that you're focused on on one character for a long time, then you're focused right. on another character um, with, no, in that case, no connection. You know, eventually the connections come together in the graphic novel. Sure. But um, but so far, first ep- the first episode, very, very fun. Very fun. Um, nice. It's always it's always cool seeing Kihi Kwan and uh, Michelle Yeoh doing things, like, even if they aren't working together this time, like they did in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Sure, uh, it's just I I enjoyed that first episode. And I am definitely looking forward to the rest of it. And it's kind of stuck in my head since then. Very nice, and that's on. Is it on Disney Plus? It's on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. People, you need need to check that out. Like that's. I I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but but I saw that it was there, and I thought, well, I can't mm-hmm. wait to check this out because I really thoroughly enjoyed the the graphic novel. I thought a literal adaptation, and I'm not a fan of literal adaptations because you know what? If I want to know the story of the graphic novel, I'll just read it. Um, yeah, you know, as it was originally intended and as it was created, and. Um, an adaptation that involves involves the creator in the way that this does is 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 definitely my preference um, as adaptations go. But um, but it looks fantastic, and it is so much of that of that mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, of itself. But but I, I'm interested to see how how he adjusts the narrative. Um, and, so uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Can't wait. All right. That is, and that's my SETI Alpha Eel. So that, that puts us, oof. I think that puts us at the end of the show now. I believe it does. And here we go to the stuff where we talk about the end of things. That's right. And that will bring this episode to a close. That does it for this edition of Watch This space and remember if you're in a dispute with another party and you just can't seem to work it out don't take the laws into your own hands you take them to space email us with your questions and comments at watchthisspacemail at gmail.com